up in the pulpit nowadays it's almost like getting up to the cockpit there's so many things to turn on and buttons to push and screens to look at no it's not that complicated it's not that complicated the gospel's not complicated is it the gospel's not complicated the gospel's simple just three things you got to remember the death burial the resurrection of jesus christ to obey the gospel is just as simple die to self be buried in baptism be raised to walk in newness of life, right? Just as simple. The story of love. The gospel is a story of love. Today's sermon is a love story, a symmetrical love story. A love story of balance. In your handout is an outline of this sermon, the body of this sermon. An outline that you can incorporate into your own life. Uh, it, it's going to be about four loves. Four loves that you can incorporate into your life to love and live by. One of the most famous buildings in the world was built because of love. The Taj Mahal in Agra, India was built by the Emperor Shah Jahan for the third of his four wives, Mumtaz. And Mumtaz died during the birth of their 14th child. She died in 1632. The Taj Mahal was started during the year of her death. But it was not completed until 1653. The materials used were and are priceless. But to me, a great feature of the Taj Mahal, the greatest to me, is its balance and its symmetry. This is a simplified, simplified floor plan of, of the Taj Mahal. No matter which way you look at the Taj Mahal from the outside, it's the same. It's the same all the way around. It's the same on all sides. This building has a balance and has a calm. I like architecture like that, balanced, calm, in a world that's crazy and out of balance at times. My valentine to each of you today is a balanced, symmetrical sermon. A sermon of fours. And today I want to tell you about four loves to love and, and live by. Four loves to incorporate into your life so that when your story is told, it will be a story about love. Now, I won't look at the dating pattern of some of us. That's not what this sermon is about. Just four. And from the title, one might think that I would go in the direction of the four main Greek words for love. Storge, philia, eros, and agape. You might think I would go that way, but we've had two such sermons. When I look back in my files, we've had two such sermons since I've been here on the four words, Greek words for love. You understand these words. I've explained these words. Today, I want to focus on just one of those words, agape. 
love, the most inclusive and exclusive form of love in the Bible, love that does what's needed, love that's contented, love that pleases and is pleased, love that is giving. Today I'd like to symmetrically look at four truths, four loves, four truths of agape love and four demonstrations of each of these loves. And it's my symmetrical Taj Mahal, my valentine to the congregation. And I hope a grand will be a grand component. You'll use these as a component for your life story of love. The first truth that we must understand about love is God is love. God is love. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 that, that God is love. And His love is, is, is demonstrated in different ways. One way that His love is demonstrated is by creating the world. It says in Genesis chapter 1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God shows us His love every day. Now I know, there, I know there's a lot of you out there that are tired of the snow. But He has designed symmetrically and with randomness all things, even each and every snowflake that falls and has ever fallen was designed by God. His love is amazing and He loves us so very much, so much more than snowflakes. After the fall of Adam and Eve, man has had to deal with sin. But God loves us so much, He not only created us, but He has demonstrated His love for us by providing a way of salvation for each and every one of us, for each and every creation, for all of mankind. Because God loved us so much, He gave us His only begotten Son, John 3.16. The Hebrew writer says the obedience of Jesus was perfected by the death of Jesus on the cross. Hebrews 5 verse 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And notice the last of this verse, salvation is offered to those who obey. Salvation is offered to those who obey. Obedience means a choice, and it's one of the ways my God loves me. The love of my God is so big that He not only created us, He not only, not only provided a way for us to come to Him, but He's also given us choice. He gave us the choice to be with Him or not. When God made the world, He told Adam to tend the garden, and he put a tree there in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. The tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. And he told man that he, he, could not, he could eat of any other fruit in the garden except for this fruit. Notice, it doesn't say here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, that God built a fence around the tree. He didn't build a fence around the tree. He, he, didn't, he didn't set a guard around the tree. No, he didn't put a leash on Adam either. From the beginning, man has had the ability to obey God or not to obey God. You sit here, the loved creation 
of a loving God. Loved because He has provided a way of salvation to you and you can choose to be saved today. You can make that choice. But only you can make that choice. That's not all. God is love and His love is demonstrated by creating us, by providing for us a a salvation, by allowing us to choose. But if we choose, if we choose God's way, if we choose to obey Him, His love is demonstrating, demonstrated by providing an inheritance to us as well. It says in Matthew, excuse me, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. We who are in Christ Jesus, we who have been baptized into Jesus Christ, we want to live with God forever. We want to be with God forever. And He has provided, He has provided heaven. A place for His children to someday live with Him forever. That God is love is the first truth to be remembered for your story of love. The second truth of agape love, and will be our focus tonight, if you come and hear tonight's sermon, this will be our focus tonight, is found in John chapter 13, beginning with verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Loving each other is a truth found in the Bible that we are to demonstrate for each other. It's a command in the Bible that we must follow. We must love one another. And this love for each other is demonstrated by first serving each other. We must serve each other. Paul writes to the Galatians, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to do good for each other. We are to love one another, helping as much as we have been helped. Not only is our love for each other demonstrated by our service to each other, but our love for each other is to be abounding love. We are to abound in service to one another. This was Paul's prayer to the Thessalonians, for the Thessalonians, that they would increase and abound in love for one another, a full love, an abounding love, a gift that keeps on giving. There is a danger, though, that when we give and we give and we give, that sometimes our love can become hypocritical. But a great truth of our love for each other is that it's not to be hypocritical love. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another, one another fervently with a pure heart. Not a hypocritical heart. You need to mean it. Our love is not to be hypocritical, but pure. And that takes another demonstration of our love for each other patience patience if we're to have love for one another we're to be patient with one another patience 
is on the top of the list of what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 4. At the top of the list, love is patience. Patient, it suffers long. Love suffers long. And when we get mad or we get frustrated with our fellow brother and sister, even our fellow man, take a step back and be patient. Be long-suffering. Because a lot of times we run not only into our friends, but we run into our enemies as well. Which brings us to our third truth about agape love. Today we are to love our enemies. Today we are to love our enemies. If you would please, I'm going to have it on the screen. But turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5.44. Matthew 5.44. And take a close look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. It's our command to love our enemies. Because this verse tells us three ways in which we can demonstrate our love for our enemies. Your enemy is one who feels hatred towards you. Your enemy is one that intends to injure you. Your enemy opposes your interests and maybe even the interests of God. And if you feel this way toward anyone, they are your enemy. But look at Matthew 5.44. It does not say that we're to curse our enemies, but it says that we are to bless our enemies. To bless is to honor, to want good for our enemies, to want them to have well-being, to want them to have prosperity, to want them to have what we have, salvation in Christ Jesus. Bless them. We're not to curse them. To want our enemy to be happy. Blessing your enemies occurs here in the heart. That's where it starts. But it's further demonstrated in action by doing good. If it's in your power to do good to your enemy, do so. Do good to our enemies. Doing good could be anything. I mean, I could go through a list, but we just think of anything. Good. And do it. Sometimes not doing something is doing our enemy good. Just not doing anything. And that takes wisdom. And We can pray, James chapter 1 says, for wisdom and God will grant it. But loving your enemy is also demonstrated by praying for your enemy. Petitioning God the Father for a blessing, an opportunity to do, to do good to your enemy, to do good for your enemy. For, for, for good to be in your enemy's life. To pray to the Father that your enemy, again, could have what you have in Christ Jesus. Salvation. That's what we want for all men. Love for our enemies is demonstrated also by blessing them, by doing good for them, and by praying for them. But also, even as they curse us and do evil to us, we must be willing to forgive them. Jesus when he was on the cross in Luke chapter 23 verse 34 he's being crucified by his enemies and he prayed to the father forgive them for they know not what they do in order to receive forgiveness God expects and desires it from each and every one of us Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says and be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you and when we confess 
to God our sins, 1 John 1 verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins as we've looked at many times. And we demonstrate our love for our enemies by doing the same. We must be willing to forgive. God is love. We are to love each other. And we're to love our enemies. And the fourth truth about love is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. This love we are to have for God is demonstrated in four different ways. Number one, by fear. Fear. But a healthy fear. You might call this fear respect. You know, when the early church had peace and was edified and multiplied, when they multiplied, it says that they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. We show our love for one another and we show our love for God by respecting Him and obeying Him. Jesus tells us, In John chapter 14, verse 19, Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Obeying God, doing what he says, shows your love for him. You know, when he says believe... Believe. When he says repent, well, repent. When he says confess the name of Jesus before others, well, do that. Con- confess the name of Jesus before others. When he commands in, in numerous scriptures to be baptized, well, be baptized. We show our love for Him. Our obedience shows that we love God. And so does talking to Him in prayer. Prayer demonstrates our our love for God as well. We are commanded to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. Prayer is our way of communicating with God. You know, if if your spouse didn't communicate with you, you you would doubt their love. So we communicate with our God. Through prayer, we can show our respect for God. Through, through prayer, we can glorify God. Through prayer, we can show our obedience. But, but also another way, we demonstrate our love for God. Our trust shows that we love Him as well. We must trust God. It's how we demonstrate our love for Him. One of the backhanded comments that the chief priest said about Jesus while he was hanging on the cross, was a true statement. Backhanded comment. They didn't mean for it to be true, but it was true. And the example of trust we are to follow Jesus on the cross is represented here. The chief chief priest or a scribe or an elder, as it says in the passage here, it mentions mentions all three. One of them said in, in, in verse 43 of Matthew 27, He trusted in God. Let Him deliver Him now. If He will have Him, 
For he said, I am the Son of God. If he'll have him, let God save him now. It was a backhanded comment, but everything they said was the truth. And the Hebrew writer follows that up, that Jesus endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1.13, In Christ you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That simple gospel. The death, burial, resurrection. The one that you must obey. You've got to obey the gospel. You must die to self, be buried in baptism, and be raised to walk in a new life. The Proverbs give this advice. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. If you're in a mess right now, and there's some of you may be in a mess in your life. If you're in a mess right now, understand this old saying. Your best thinking got you there. Your best thinking got you there. Trust in the Lord. Lean on Him. He'll not steer you wrong. Ever. He'll not steer you wrong. Show the Lord you love Him by trusting Him. Tell, you, tell Him you love Him. Fear Him. Obey Him. If you're scared you're not saved, make sure today, make sure that you're saved. The builder of the Taj Mahal, Emperor Shah Jahan, he said this after the Taj Mahal was built. He said this, Should guilty seek asylum here, like one pardoned, he becomes free from sin. Should a sinner make his way to this mansion, all his past sins are to be washed away. Well, you won't find salvation in the Taj Mahal. But you will find it in the blood of Jesus Christ. You must have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. You will find it, salvation, in the blood of the Lamb. God is love. And because God is love, we should love each other. We should love our enemies. And we should love God so much that we trust Him and we obey Him right now. If you're ready to trust God, trust God enough to obey Him. Walk down the aisle and be baptized into Jesus Christ. It's the hope of every member here that that's what you'll do as we stand and sing.